This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, hello, hello. And I want to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Mike. Hello. What's up? Well, Mike, uh, every time we have somebody new come on the podcast, we like to, to, to hear how they became a fan. Um, you're a fixture here at the, the bar for Chicago Spurs, but uh, let, let's let our listeners know how you became a fan of, uh, of uh, Tottenham. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I've been a fan uh, for, I want to say about 12 years now, almost 11 years. Um, I got into... Um, I got into watching football in uh, the 2010 World Cup. Uh, it, was in, it was in Africa, and I'm African, so it was already going to be of interest to me, and I supported um, watching US, the, the U.S. Uh, team, as well as watching Ghana, and Ghana had made it far that year, if you guys remember. They went to, uh, they got to the semifinal, uh, I believe the, maybe the quarterfinal, and they, they lost against Uruguay when Suarez had that handball and they missed the penalty. Oh, I and remember that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was big. That was crazy. Um, and that was, for me, I, I've never, you know, there's been a lot of drama and a lot of sports that I've watched, but I've never seen drama, like, on that level, you know? And so that was already exciting to me. I was already interested in it because I'm African. And everything about that World Cup was amazing. The, Apart the, from the Boo Boo Sailors. Oh, that's they right. Were yeah, that's on, that's right. They were bad, fucking right. annoying. I'm yeah, sorry, but yeah. they were. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. But I, I did love, the, I mean, the music was great. Everything, you know, about that World Cup was a lot of fun to watch. And... Um, from there, I just started watching the Premier League, you know, um, I knew Clint Dempsey was on Fulham at the time, and I was watching them, I was watching Tim Howard at Everton, and it was easy to just watch the Premier League um, without supporting a team, um, until it got to a point where ESPN was, was doing live coverage of Tottenham versus Chelsea, and the, they do a long pre-match, you know, game and pre-game, and all they talked about was, actually, ABB was coach of Chelsea at the time, and all they talked about was Chelsea this, Chelsea that. Was Chelsea gonna do? Da, 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 da. It was so many things. Chelsea were they were talking about Chelsea. The game starts and Bale is just having an insane game, um, and he crosses it into Adebayor to score. And I've just never been so enthralled with. with I've always been supporting an, an underdog in any sport, really, and um, I loved watching that game. And that made me want to, you know, watch Bale a lot more. Still wasn't a big fan of the team. It was just watching the team, just just to watch them. But then they signed Clint Dempsey that summer. And for me, it was a wrap. I was just like, this is, if, I didn't, if I ever needed a sign, this was a sign. And I've been watching every game since, the Europa League matches, and just every iconic moment with Tottenham. And um, it's just, yeah, I, I, love, I love Tottenham way, way too much. Fantastic. Like, and so many fans in this country and around the world become fans of Premier League after a World Cup. It's a, it's a great end to the sport. And then... Um, then once you real that, realize that the quality is uh, is better with like a, a Premier League match, and you, you try to, especially in this country in the U.S., we pick we pick our teams, and it it really becomes that thing. And so many people who who start following Tottenham from the U.S., I think like to follow the underdog status, and and 
don't want to be like a big money team. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because <laughs> when you win, you want to uh, you you want to feel like you earned it. Right. It, 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 it's way more exciting if you uh, if you've been waiting 10, 15 years mm-hmm. to, to see a, a trophy. Um, it's painful, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but but when that trophy comes, it becomes so so much better. I think. And this is coming from a guy who hasn't watched Spurs win a trophy yet. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> how would you know? <laughs> since, yes, yeah, since, since supporting them, exactly. But, but regardless, like, uh, excellent story. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, unfortunately, we have to go into sadder news uh, as our next topic. And I'm going to hand it off to Rick to kind of talk about this uh, sad loss that we had this, uh, this week. Yeah, we, we unfortunately on Sunday morning, we lost Jimmy Greaves. I mean, he, it, it wasn't unexpected, he'd, he'd been ill for a while, he had, he had one stroke I think in 2010 and then he had a second stroke in 2015, he was a little bit incapacitated, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't unexpected, you know, um, a death, but it's, it's very sad because he was a very beloved um, person, I, see, Jimmy Griggs is basically two people. Um, he's Jimmy Greaves a footballer and Jimmy Greaves a TV personality. Now, I'm not old enough, I know I'm older than all of you, but I'm not old enough to know him as, as Jimmy Greaves the footballer. I only knew Jimmy Greaves growing up as Jimmy Greaves the TV personality. Now, he was on a show called Saint and Greavesy. Uh, it was a two-person two show and it was a football highlights pre-game show on a Saturday afternoon at about one o'clock. Um, and the show ran for seven years and it was, if you were a football fan, it was like the number one thing you would watch. Um, you know, it's like live sports centre, if you imagine, you know, it's it, the American equivalent. It's, it's the one show you would watch. Um, and, and Jimmy was brilliant on it. He was often outspoken, you know, about controversial subject, subjects. Um, he was often funny. Uh, very, very knowledgeable, and it was just essential viewing. And the only reason it stopped was um, when, would you believe, when the, when the formation of the Premier League took over in 1992, um, Sky, the satellite subscriber, took over the rights to football, so that meant that channel didn't have any highlights to show, so they, they stopped the show. So it's basically the, the Premier League killed that show. Um, but for that seven years, it was, you know, I was between the ages of, you know, 15 and 20 when that show was going on. And it, and it basically cemented my personal uh, love of football. You know, you know when, when you're 15, you don't really care. But, you know, so I basically became a football fan before I became a Tottenham fan, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, basically because of that show. So I only know him as uh, a, a beloved TV personality and everybody loved him. He, um, he actually had a spin-off show, um, which was like a chat show, but which wasn't very good. But it was, it was good because it was so bad. If you see what I mean, it was really funny because it was bad. Um, I mean, in 1992, uh, what happened was um, a unofficial um, sequel to that show was was made. I mean, it was a fantasy football show. Um, with uh, uh, David Baddiel and, uh, and Frank Skimmer. Um, 
and it was very very similar it was a highlight show and they talked about fantasy football and they had guests on the show and it's very very similar um, and they uh, and, it, and that went on for years um, and they lovingly mocked uh, Jimmy Greaves and, and his partner uh, Saint um, on that show for years and eventually got to a point where they invited them on so you had the, the new guys the young hip new guys with the two old guys with the two old guys on the show and it was it, you can probably find find that episode on YouTube I should have looked up what the episode was but um, yeah so you you have the two young guys with the two old guys and it's brilliant um, so so for me personally it's, it's very sad um, I can give you some statistics if you want um, about Jimmy because I don't think I don't think um, Newer fans just realised how good he actually was. Okay, so I'll give you. I'll give you. Some I, I was impressed by this when you were talking to yeah, him earlier I'll, today. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you some statistics. Um, for Spurs, he, he scored two hundred and sixty-six goals at, in three hundred and seventy-nine games. Uh, that's Spurs' record, by the way. You know, um, and no one has even come close. Not even Harry Kane is getting there, but he's not close yet. His most impressive record, I think. Now, if you think about Harry Kane. His scoring record for England is insane. Um, he's actually scored 41 goals in 64 games for England. Now, 41 in 64. Jimmy scored 44 in 57. So, three more goals in seven less games. So it's, a, it's amazing. And this was at a time when, you know, the England team was playing Poland and Germany and... Italy. They weren't playing Azerbaijan and San Marino. And, and Wayne Rooney too, I think, is uh, the all-time for England. And yeah, he's, got, he's got that in like 120 caps yeah, or something. Like he's, and he's got like yeah, 51 80, goals yeah. in like 110 or something. So yeah, his record is insane um, when, when you look at his, uh, at his statistics. So yeah, I mean, catch some highlights if you can of, of you know, there are, there are highlights out there of him playing. Um, but certainly try and catch some episodes of um, Saint and Greavesy on, on YouTube. It, it's well worth it, it really is. Especially to see how football was prior to the Premier League. The Premier League is all, you know, media and hype and whatever. And this was back in the day when, you know, you only knew the results if you looked at the newspaper the next day, basically, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. No, I, um, I'll have to check out some of that on YouTube because that would yeah. just be interesting just to see the history. Yeah, j- j- and, just and check see it. See how media has changed over time. Yeah, you you see how 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 so insane it is now compared to how it was. Um, and it was more family friendly then. You know, it was more family orientated, and it's um, and now it's just. Hype, 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 sack the manager, who's going to win the league? You know, it's like, it's insane right now, but yeah, um, very, very sad for me personally about Jimmy. Um, um, and, you know, um, one of all time Spurs' is great player, and Chelsea's, would you believe? But yeah, one, one of all time Spurs' is great players. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Rick. It, it, like it, I'm glad that like we've given that kind of uh, significant amount of time to, to Jimmy because he definitely deserves that. Um, it's definitely a loss for the whole football community, not even just Spurs. But um, but thank you so much for that. I do want to bring to everybody's attention. So we are recording this episode at the Atlantic. This is our first episode back in about a year and a half. So if you hear some background noise, it's because the bar is actually more active than usual in the background on a Monday night. And uh, but, but we're excited to have that background noise because it means that we're here in person talking. We're, we're in person. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, so thank you so much for sticking with us while we record it online. We're still going to record some online, and we're going to ease our way back into this uh, live in-person recording again. But, uh, but uh, we're so excited to be here again at the Atlantic. Um, but I want to roll the conversation along. We have two matches to cover this first half. Uh, before we pre preview the two matches coming up, the second half. Um, so let's start with this Conference League match against Wren um, away this past Thursday. Uh, that was uh, earlier here, 11.45 here in Chicago. So um, we went into this match. Uh, I think a lot of us were predicting kind of like a mixed lineup, not necessarily the strongest team uh, out there. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised by the squad that we put out there. It was a little bit stronger than I expected. I'm... Harry Kane was in the lineup. Uh, we did uh, we did have the Brian Hills of the world playing, but but it was it was kind of a nice mix of some young and, and uh, some more established players uh, traveling. Well, it, it was kind of forced upon us, if you remember, because we had three of the South American players that weren't eligible, mm -hmm. and then we had uh, a couple of injuries as well with, with Son and and and, and Bergwijn. So I think I think the squad was actually. Um, kind of forced upon you know really yeah I mean there were there were some some players that we could have uh, like some players that haven't seen very many minutes that we could have stuffed in here but I think re this is our toughest away fixture in this conference league group stage so it, it made sense to send uh, uh, at least a middle strength lineup um, the, the results uh, as we know now 2-2 two -two, uh, uh, draw um, are you guys disappointed with that result Lucas so we've talked about it before. Um, it's something that we as Spurs have a habit of doing, which is we'll, we'll get the result or whatever that we want, but it's when you ask, like, are you happy with the result? Like, if you had told me beforehand you're going to go there and you're going to get a 2-2 draw, I'd say, okay, I'll take that. Like, we get the point. Like you had mentioned, this is the one in the group that is going to be the most difficult playing uh, the Ren game away. Uh, we can The other three home games, the other two away games shouldn't be as much of a problem. But... It's again how we do it. How we took. I, I would take that two-two draw, but then after watching that, I'm like, I mean, that was tough. That was a tough 90 minutes to watch. That was. We just looked like shit, and mm. we put out like you had mentioned. We put out a stronger side. So I, to see that again, like in Dombele, a lot of people were excited about how good in Dombele looked for little specific moments. But then there's a lot of loafing around and getting beat and laziness. Like the like it, it just seemed very routine from what we expect from him. Um, we didn't have enough going forward. I was a little bit disappointed in that. I thought we would maybe see Kane get one or two and get off the mark and start getting back into goal-scoring form, and we didn't. So, yes, I'll take the result, um, that 2-2, two -two, but I'm not really happy about how we got it done and the overall performance. It wasn't great. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I personally, I was, I was actually quite happy with the result overall. Um, I was disappointed about the injuries and I was surprised by the lineup for sure I didn't know Kane was going to start I was hoping he wouldn't start to be honest because he's been looking a little leggy even um, before the international break when he was playing against Watford I thought he looked exhausted and then he plays the international break he scores that amazing goal against Poland and then comes back has to play against Wren and I thought that was and Crystal Palace and I thought that was going to be a lot on his legs at such a short time I thought Scarlett could have deserved to start but you know it, it feels that you know, we're kind of getting punished by our transfer window. And I thought we had a very good transfer window. And then um, I think the bad luck is just really, it's been really bad luck. And I think um, there's a lot of, a lot of people say winning the manager of the month in the Premier League is bad luck. And I'm starting to really believe it. I really <laughs> do. Because to see Sun get hurt, 
Bergvine get hurt, and then Lucas, if you guys, so Bergvine actually started that game, got hurt in that game. Lucas got hurt in that game after scoring that uh, with the own goal, um, and then Dyer was already not playing. We were so limited by our options, and he had to take Kane off at some point. And when Kane came off, and I think Emerson came on, I thought I don't, and Scarlett came on as well. I don't know how we were going to score a second goal. I, we were down two one at a time. I was like, I don't see us. I, I could see Ren scoring again. I don't see how we could score a second goal. And I was really pleased to see Hoiberg scored. Um, and you make a late run into the box. So I was pretty positive about the result overall, especially seeing what we had left on the pitch at that moment. Well, and, and just to interrupt there for a second, yeah, like uh, we talked about this in our podcast chat group a, a lot. Like uh, with Harry Kane coming off, uh, we only have two guys that have scored the bulk of our goals left in the squad. Once, once Bale was gone, um, Vinicius was gone. He was getting a lot of uh, cup goals. They had 27 uh, goals between the two of them. Yeah, for they last had 27. Year. We, we haven't found out how we're going to replace those. Yeah, the only two people, goal scorers that we have now are Son and Kane. Mm-hmm. And Kane can't play the whole 90 minutes, and, and Son was hurt. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, finding any goals was uh, a victory in this ma- match in a 2 2. And in, in again, the way those goals came, too, it wasn't like we were pounding on the door and it was just a matter of time and they were coming. And it's like, okay, like. I mean, those were two cheeky goals that we were gifted. And, I mean, like, the second one was, like, that ball in the box from Doherty was just awful in the mm-hmm. middle of four guys, and the guy just shanks it, and it happens to fall at uh, Hoybier's feet. And it was a great finish by him. But, I mean, if, if the Wren defenders played with any kind of a pulse that game, we don't even get anything resembling a goal or a proper chance. So Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's one of those weird games where it's 2-2 two, two away. But you know we're playing at home, you know. We're going we're to roll over them. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I will say about Wren, um, I, I really like them. Um, it's, it's a really well-organised club. Um, players are well-disciplined. The stadium looks fantastic. I'm going to interrupt you there. Well-disciplined because they did injure two of our players. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's discipline. No, no but uh, no, what I mean is they're disciplined in the way they want to play. You know what I mean? They, they, they defend well, they attack well. They just look like a, a good, well-run club. I mean, their stadium is really nice. You know, it's only 30,000 or whatever it was, but it, it looked really great. I mean, they are like the model of a smaller club, you know. Um, but, yeah, when we, when we get them at home, you would expect us to roll over them. Um, uh, you don't win, you don't win the, these group games, you know, or you don't win the group... Um, by winning away, you what you do is you draw away and you win at home. And that's what you do. Um, and if you do that, you'll you'll top the group. This was the match where Ndombele had the cheeky like back heel at the line to save the or save the ball, right? Yeah. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. The, the, that that was an impressive play, um, and that did lead, eventually lead to I think the first goal was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, and the whole like the. the we got a little lucky here, but um, but sometimes luck luck is all you need. And they're a struggling team too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they uh, I think are normally a little bit more competitive in the the, uh, uh, the French league, but they um, I think they're struggling around like tenth uh, or twelfth place right now. So they're they're not doing great. So they they probably couldn't put as much emphasis on us as they normally would have. Um, 
because they have to worry about their league match against Marseille that that, that was happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yeah, and there's also I, I don't want to get too down on the fact that this wasn't the best result because again we I mean the way that like we got handcuffed with these injuries and the scheduling that has happened to us is just. I mean, we really didn't have a lot we could do with that game. So I would have liked to see us play a little better, but I'm not ready to start throwing up all the panic flags. Like, we knew that that was just a go-there, get-the-result, kind-of-come-home type game with the Chelsea game and the League Cup and Arsenal all coming up within the next 10 days following that game. So that game was probably way under-prioritized to Nuno, um, and rightfully so. So I, I don't think we need to be freaking out too much about that game. We can freak out about Sunday when we talk about that, but... Yeah. I would definitely think, like, the result on Thursday, like, I think it's one that we can just put past us and be happy we got the points, whether it be luck or skill that got us those. Yeah, and he, even on the home leg, maybe we can rotate a little bit more and have, have the, the, the heavy hitters on the bench with those five substitutions that you can make if, if you're at 60 minutes and you need a goal. Uh, Mike, the final point on this match before we go to MVP, LVP. Yeah, I, I, did, I did love, actually, Endomele's performance. I, I, the back heel was an outrageous piece of skill, but there was a, actually a run he made off of Kane where he passed into Kane, then he ran inside the box, and the goalie came out and stopped his, his shot. I thought that was really clever, and you know we're not seeing a lot of our midfielders do that. Skip is definitely not, and um, even though I love Skip, I have a lot of affection for Skip. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Ndobele get this run. And uh, hopefully he could just con- continue it on. Hopefully he can just keep that going. Yeah, and there's cer- we're certainly going to have more conversation when we talk about the Chelsea match with Ndombele as well. Uh, but let's go to MVP, LVP. Um, so uh, we always uh, pick our favorite player of this match and then uh, uh, the, the player that we thought looked the worst for Spurs, uh, if we can come up with somebody. And we're going to start with Rick first for MVP. Uh, Holberg. Hoybier, you know yeah. he played well. Yeah, he scored a he scored a great goal. Um, controlled the midfield. That's what he does. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so he, he definitely uh, always a, a good fixture for our club, a leader out there that we're kind of lacking right now. So yeah, that was Hoybier. Mine was Hoybier as well. Um, again, that finish was so class, and and the whole thing he played fantastic. I think um, he he played very much like what we've come to expect from him. That was just a solid performance across the board but that finished the timing that that happened we had just given up that one so to come back and make a big play like that in that moment was really key to kind of settle us back down and be able to see out the final 20 minutes or so and to be in position yeah oh, definitely isn't usually because the there wasn't and there wasn't a lot of guys that were making forward runs trying to get trying to get a goal and so to have him come up and step up and take care of it was um, yeah, definitely my MVP. And I'll just jump in to save time. I agree with both of you guys. He's my pick as well. Uh, do you have somebody different, Mike? Yeah, I would just go Endombele. I, I think Hjordberg had an amazing game. That was a crazy finish. I loved Endombele's performance, though. And hopefully he can keep that up. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and he, he's certainly going to be key for us going forward, given what our options are at this point. And we'll talk about that more with the Chelsea game. Let's go to LVP next and go back to Rick. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I could throw you one. Matt, Matt Doherty was awful, I think. Uh, yeah. I've never seen – that was a terrible performance by him. Yeah, I got to – actually, yeah, you're right. That was – yeah. He was awful. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'll jump in because that that's mine as well was Doherty, and you were about to say, well, I haven't seen – and I was like, I've started to see it, – it, he's getting progressively worse, it seems. Like, every time I'm like, wow, Doherty was shit today. The next one is that times 1.5. He's yes. even more shit. The next – I'm yes. like, 
this is like one failed experiment that I think uh, Wolves pulled the uh, old wool over our eyes on that one because they got away with a great deal. Yeah, I, do, I think it was Doherty had one of his few good performances against us when he played for Wolves, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and we bought into it. It's like Sissoko uh, when Sissoko on the last day of the year for Newcastle mm-hmm. just put us to the... Like, just absolutely put us to the sword. So we were like, oh, we got to buy that guy. And then... Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. But yeah, he's my LVP as well for this one. I, and I'm concerned because I really thought that like if we get into a, a position where we're going to play three at the back and we have wing backs again, that Doherty might be able to provide something again if we need him to. But it doesn't even seem like when he gets the, that opportunity that it's... It's there, so he, he needs to go out on loan. Yeah, maybe that's the option. Find find a, a team for him to pl- play at until we can sell him and um, and go with the options that we have. We have one good homegrown option, and we have uh, uh, an option that's young and to be just purchased that's exciting. So um, I think that's probably the good option at this point when we hit the winter window. Just uh, loan him out at this point. Uh, but um, great conversation there on Ren. But I, I do want to move the conversation along to uh, the Chelsea match. Uh, so we went into this weekend, and I think most of us were uh, probably sitting on our phones just waiting uh, to see what this lineup was going to be, especially a- after that Crystal Palace match um, where we had that, that horrendous midfield. Um, and we, we had to think that Nuno had learned something uh, from that match and would give us something a, a little bit more to look at. And I think we were all very excited about this lineup. Um, it, I, well, well I, I honestly think if, if, if you ask most Spurs fans what 11 players they would choose, that would have been, that would have been the 11. Yeah, I yeah, agree, I, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the, the, that's what we've been calling for, like a, an attacking side, solid center back de- pairing. Um, the only person I would consider changing would be maybe Dyer for Sanchez, but Dyer put up a good performance, so maybe Nuno had it right there. Um, and I think the first, we saw the first half of football, it was certainly working. Like, we had a, 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 a we had some good attacks. Uh, there were some opportunities that were near misses. Um, I think we had uh, put Chelsea to the sword a little bit, but we just couldn't find that goal that we needed. Um, and then the, we came back from the halftime, and uh, coming back from halftime, uh, things started to look a little bit uglier. So I want to start this conversation with um, a question that we have from our, uh, from Shubes. Uh, you guys all know Shubes well. He's one of our biggest questioners. He's been out here to the pub a, a lot. He's actually been on our podcast a couple times. Uh, but Shubes asks us... Uh, uh, Chelsea looked even harder to score against the, than the 05 Chelsea side Jose had, a- and it could match the Woolwich Invincibles uh, uh, season. So, are we that bad, or could Chelsea just be that good? Uh, you want to tackle that first, Lucas? Yeah, and because I think it's a combo. Um, that Chelsea team is not a bunch of slouches, especially defensively. Um, I think they still haven't given up a goal from open play, if I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. um, this season, and. On top of that, you then look at us, and we have one goal from open play. So that was just kind of a horrible combo that you're going to be having to deal with. Um, I think we actually have uh, – who put it in the group chat today? But the games that uh, – like our difficulties trying to score goals. So, I mean, I think we made them look a little bit better, but that Chelsea team's phenomenal. I mean, we have 
uh, like the stats in front of me here, Delhi hasn't scored in 29 Premier League games from open play. Like uh, Bergvine has won in 52 all competitions. Uh, 20 games since Lucas has scored from open play. 25 games since Ndombele has. Uh, one goal in 49 Premier League games for Lacelso. So if it's not coming from Kane and Son, we just don't know who's going to be scoring at this point. And then you throw into the mix that that Chelsea defense is incredible. It's kind of that's the end result right there. Well, um, I'm 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 not, I'm not really comparing Chelsea to us, but I kind of am. <laughs> um, the thing that they have, which was highlighted in this game, is they have their de- they have depth in their squad. You know, we started with our what we considered to be our number one eleven, mm-hmm. um, and for a half it was working, and then at half time Chelsea began Conte and everything changes you know um, um, so they have that depth they have that depth in their, in their squad that, that we just don't have you know I don't know who it was but someone said to me oh Nuno got it all wrong in the second half uh, and my question to him was what could he have done I mean what substitution was going to help we just don't have the depth on the bench to, to, to deal with that we just don't they, they had the answer, and, and we had a, a skip that we could bring on. To yeah, it. skip and, and, or Gil. And, and we and we knew that Ndombele, at least where his current fitness is, he he wasn't going to be able to last. And like, and he certainly did a a good job in the first half. He started to drift and you know, become invisible a little bit more in the the second half while he stayed on. And we had we knew we had to sub him at some point, but who were we going to bring on that wasn't going to change the game negatively for us? Like we, we weren't going to have that outlet anymore. And and, and and once Chelsea made their change, and then we had to take Ndombele off, we we, we completely lost the midfield well, battle at that it, point. It, the simple fact is that Chelsea could change their team and make it better. Any change that we were going to make was going to make it worse, and that's a simple fact. Yeah. Uh, Mike? Yeah, that was definitely a lineup where we needed to score first, I think. That was my opinion, that we needed to put pressure on them, score first, and then have them make it harder for us to, to break us down because, um, you know, we had, their, we had our chances, which is kind of frustrating in a way that we didn't take the ch- Well, we had a, 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 I mean, a slight chance with Los Celso putting it into Sun, who um, took a heavy touch, I think, and Keppa. Between Keppa and Alonso, who pulled his shirt, by the way, we're not going to even talk about that. Um, you know, I think some goes down there. He could have got a penalty, but um, you know that was a chance. And then the Reggion chance, the Sergio when he when he was flying on the wing, you know, kind of like you almost one on one, not quite. Yeah, when, yeah when, and, when he should have shot, I mean, he tried the pass. Yeah, you know? and he he definitely should have shot. I think it was for him. It's a confidence thing. Um, I actually watched the YouTube video, and they were talking about FIFA ratings, and uh, Sergio Reggion was talking about. Um, his shot, and it was like I think it was like a 58, which is not a good shot rating. And Tanganga ma- mentioned something. He's like, "Yeah, you haven't scored a goal." And he's like, "Oh no, I, I scored an own goal." <laughs> he was like <laughs> mentioning that. And so I mean, clearly the confidence for him is not there. And I think had we scored at that period, I think we'd be talking about a whole different game. But I think Thiago Silva had an amazing game. He covered every run. Um, and then that second half, you know, once once I think the confidence was lost after the Conte goal. And that was just a, they won the ball off of Los Celso, very high up, you know, and a shot that took a wicked deflection. 
and it was you know it's a very lucky goal to concede to be honest or to for them to score and I think we lost all confidence at that point. Yeah, that, you know? that, that, that second goal killed us. Yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it was just, uh, yes, there was a mistake that led to it, but but the goal itself was just dumb luck. Yes. Like, just a dumb deflection and just happened to just hit the post right to go in. Mm-hmm. It very easily could have, uh, like, a centimeter difference and it would have been bounced out and uh, maybe somebody would have cleared it. But, uh, yeah, that, that was frustrating. It, and then it took all the steam out of us at that point. But I, I agree with you, Mike. If we had scored like a, an early goal in that first half, I think this whole match would have been different. Chelsea would have been chasing. Mm-hmm. And then when Ndombele had to come off and we put Skip on, we could have just set up for defensively. Right. And, and, and we have the guys to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, it, it could have worked. I mean, well, I, well, obviously, I think Tanganga would have been a great substitution right. At, at right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, obviously, he wasn't available because of the red card. Mm-hmm. But, like... That, that would be another sub that you could do if we were up a goal and trying to def- d- defend the game. And even if we worked out a draw, we probably would think of that as almost a victory in this, this case with Chelsea. Well, the, the, the funny thing about the game is I actually, um, you know, there was, there was probably the last 20 minutes. If you discount the last 20, 25 minutes, we actually didn't play that badly. And if you think um, all their goals came from midfielders, none of their strikers scored. Mm-hmm. Um, so our defenders were handling Lukaku didn't hardly touch the ball the whole game you know our our defenders were were controlling their striking options Um, it was only um, our midfielders defending against their midfielders that let them score you know so we know we have a a central midfield problem I've highlighted this before in previous um, pods and certainly in previous rants if if you've ever read my rants um, we, we, you know, we have a central midfield problem, which um, was not was not rectified during this transfer window. But we had a lot of issues. We had a lot to fix this. We window. had a lot mm-hmm. to fix. Like so the people that say that we didn't do enough this window, I mean, I, th- I think you're being a, a little over optimistic. No, yeah, we have we had a l- window, we had a lot to fix, and I think it, the next maybe not in January, but next summer, our priority is going to be central midfield. It's got to be. Um, it certainly has to be, and yeah, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the, the, the head with the midfield. Mm-hmm. And you pointed out, like, um, so we all know Ali Gold, who, uh, um, like, he, he gave the best player ratings to our defense, which seems funny when you talk about a 3-0 loss, mm-hmm. that our defenders are the ones that get the best player ratings. Uh, but but it's true. They, they defended well, and we just got a unlucky. Um, and it was Deli Ali and not defending the um, the header on the, the set piece, and then it was uh, the, the dumb deflection. Mm-hmm. It, w- it wasn't the defense's fault for those first two, and then the third goal. I think it was just uh, you know we, we ha- had to push to try and accomplish anything in in this match, and and it, they they just got their third one, and uh, and it, it, it dragged us down. But Mike. Yeah, it just it's it's to be honest, uh, I'm really positive about the match even after it, just because I think we had a really good performance that first half, and you know with new coaches you never have a 90 minute all out great performance, especially on the first month. It's still September, you know, so I'm hoping that he can build on that. Hopefully he doesn't give up on that lineup because that was such a good lineup, and I think if he continues that we could even progress even more and be better. It's just to me it's scary how good Chelsea is, you know, like. They brought on Werner, and Werner had, like, three amazing chances to score. Didn't take a single one of them, you know, and 
it's just amazing to me how good they really are. Like the, the the quality of depth on their on their on their bench, and you know if we we wouldn't we couldn't afford to take a, a guy like Mason Mount off our team. We couldn't afford it. Like we don't have the world class ability on the bench like they like they do. And that's just one of those things that they had Conte coming off the bench. Conte, like you know, I think their team is just a lot more well positioned than ours is. You know. Yeah, and there's nothing that we can can do about that, Lucas. Well, it reminded me too of that time that we played them in the um, I think it was the FA Cup semifinal at Wembley a couple years back. Uh, I think we lost like four two. Mm-hmm. It was the one that like Sun started at wing back or something. <laughs> um, but in that game, we had to try and do different things to like like starting Sun at wing back. We had to kind of improvise, and we had our full strength team and our best eleven that we could have. And it didn't really work. And they were able to have their team that they threw out there. They were able to be bringing on guys. like I think it was like Hazard and uh, uh, Diego Costa like came on in like the 60th minute. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were bringing on quality like that in the 60th minute when we had already played our best hand saying, this is it. It's kind of like yesterday where they just have that depth and ability to just completely change the game. Because those, those two halves were like night and day. Mm-hmm. That first half, I thought we looked great. Um, at halftime, all of us were in a good mood. We were thinking that a goal was coming, and I, we liked the way our defense had played. They hadn't really shown much. Chelsea wasn't really knocking on the door, threatening to score very much. Um, it's just that that one sub being able to bring on some, like the Conti, like that talent that you can bring on and just completely flip a game is just something that we don't have. Yeah. Um, like we had said, what were we going to do? Bring on Skip? Mm-hmm. Bring on Brian Hill? Like right. a guy we don't even know what that what he really is yet. So. Um, yeah, we, it's, again, and unfortunately, that's not something we can fix right now. We have so many problems that we got to sort out. But um, we got to find a way to be more opportunistic in that first half when we have our starting. If, if that's all we're going to be able to do is kind of come at you with, this is our best 11. And we all like that lineup, and we yeah. want to see them keep trying that. But we got to find a way to be more opportunistic and get that goal in the first half. And that's kind of the result when you don't is you play a team of that caliber they can come on and bring a sub here and there that completely flips the game on its head yeah and when you have a i was going to say rehab year but when you have a rebuild year and this is certainly a rebuild year we brought in a lot of young players some of them we don't even have yet some of them we're looking to next year you you have to figure out what kind of team you're going to be and i do think Muno's a good coach for a rebuild team he he stresses fitness. Um, he's going to teach the the basics, like uh, um, get people playing at a, at, at a at a certain level and a certain level of fitness. I think there's a lot to be optimistic about, even in this type of three 0 loss. As much as the result sucks, like uh, we saw a good half, and, and we can build on that. And I think that's how we should look forward. And I heard it said a lot, like, if we play that way against Arsenal next Sunday, uh, we we should be able to handle them. Um, like, I, I think we're good enough to handle them with that the squad that we came out against Chelsea with and how we performed in that first half. Well, I, I think we just played the best team in the league. And um, there's not many teams that are going to do well against that Chelsea side. Um, so... You know, w- w- when we were predicting resu- you know, the result before the game, there is not one of us that predicted that, that we would win. Mm-hmm. And we didn't. Um, but we played, uh, like I say, I think we played in, in certain areas of the pitch, I think we actually played really well. Um, we're, we're just missing some 
depth in midfield definitely and and and, and we need we probably need another striker um, as well um, but yeah but, but, you know I, I hate doing you know long-term predi- predictions you know it, 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 always at the beginning of the season the media is like okay who's gonna get relegated and who's gonna win you know I, I hate those long-term predictions but if I was gonna predict to win the Premiership it's gonna be Chelsea mm-hmm. yeah I think they were my prediction for the yeah. yeah they were my prediction when we when we made our predictions on this podcast before we even the transfer window even closed so it's kind of early to even predict that but yeah no I Excellent points all around. Great conversation. Any final points before we go to MVP, LVP? Yeah, this defensively, Chelsea are. Yeah, we we talked about how hard they are to break down, and that's what's worrying to me is that we had we had um we had two good chances, you know. So I wish we would have took one of those chances. They are literally impossible to break down. I saw I saw the Champions League final last year with Manchester City with the quality that Manchester City have, failing to break them down multiple games in a row and. You know, you know Pep's record against him, and so it's just—it's really hard to break down that team, especially when they're motivated. Um, but I think there's a lot of positives to take, and I think we can—you know—this one just—we have to just rub this off our shoulders. And I think um, you know we'll, we'll get into this, but I'm, I'm hoping that our next res- performance matches our next result. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if we beat Arsenal next week, we'll completely forget about this. Completely, <laughs> a thousand percent. You know? yeah, definitely. Well, great conversation. Let's go to MVP, LVP for this match, and we'll start this time with Mike for MVP. MVP, this is a tough one. Um, Hjoyberg, again, I I thought thought he was so good. I thought he was really, really good. Um, Just a lot of winning the ball back in midfield and, um, you know, used the ball so well, I think, spraying out to our wingers. He's just, he's doing it all, and he's he's such captain material. I know we don't want to, like, supplant Lloris or... Kane to, to be captain, but I think he could definitely easily be ca- our captain. Yeah, I, and he's been captain before, so uh, I think there's a case to be made, especially with we didn't talk much about Harry Kane this match, but it, it, you're still getting the sense. I, I think there was some good performance in the first half from him, more as an attacking midfielder than a striker, but um, I don't know if he's captain material anymore because he seems emotionally checked out. Mm-hmm. Maybe when he scores a couple goals, if he gets back into it. But um, I would rather see Hoybier as the second to Lloris at this point, or even the first. But uh, Lucas? Well, you actually just touched on my MVP. Mine was Hugo. Um, I thought Hugo played very well yesterday, and in the, especially in that second half was one of the reasons that that scoreline wasn't a lot worse than it actually was. He had a couple. I think he had six saves yesterday, and a couple of them were worldies. So. Um, He's that's one of the best shot stoppers in the world. There's a reason for it, and um, he really, pretty much, he saved us from it being a really embarrassing scoreline yesterday. Yeah, and like he didn't deserve the three. No, absolutely not. What was he supposed to do? I mean, on the corner, and then the you're looking at a crazy deflection. There wasn't a lot he could have been doing that he didn't do for us. So, he's my MVP. Good show. Rick? Oh, okay, I'm going to give you two, and one of them is going to really annoy Lucas. Um, so my MVP is, is Lloris. Uh, but like Lucas said, um, it could have been really badly embarrassing um, if it wasn't for him. Um, but I'm going to give an honorable, honorable mention to someone, and I'll tell you the reasons why um, after I see the look on Lucas's face. Okay? Regular. 
Oh, God. <laughs> he's, oh. Right, and I'll tell you the reasons why. Um, oh. He has a lot of trouble defending. Um, and apart from the defending, well, I know that he's a defender and that's what he's supposed to be doing. But if you looked at that game and watched how many times he was available on the left-hand side as the out ball, um, you know, he, he was the one, you know, he's a defender, but he was the one midfield player that was always available, always trying to get the ball and always trying to do something. Um, we had nothing going down the right wing, nothing. It never happened at, at all in any other game. Now, if you think about all the attacks that we had, they all came down the left-hand side with Regulon. And he was up and down and up and down and up and down the whole game. And just for sheer effort of, of you know, running up and down that, that wing the whole game, I'll give him an honourable mention. See, I had a different outlook. I, I agree with you guys. I think Lloris is probably my MVP. But I was going to give my honourable mention the, the other uh, fullback. Like, I really thought Emerson Royal handled his man well. Like, uh, w way better, especially in that first half. Yeah, defend defending-wise, yes. Def Defensive-wise, and, and he's supposed to be more of an act attacking player. So I was really impressed. Actually, I think it's compared to the other performances that we've seen so far from him. But, like, I think he really stepped up to the plate in this match and showed that he can, he can take somebody on defensively and... and and hold his man down, and I think he did a good job of that this match. Uh, so I did want to give him an honorable mention, but I don't think it raises to the level of MVP. Uh, but but good good case on Regulon as well. I think there is a case to be made there. Um, let's go to LVP next, and we'll go back to Mike. This is a tough one. I mean, this is this is a very difficult one. Um, I'm gonna have to give it to. It really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? I. No. I mean, I think Kane showed a lot of. Uh, you know, after this, this, the first half, he looked non-existent. wasn't pressing Wasn't really like putting a lot of effort in. Um, so, I, I would have to give it to Kane. I think, in my opinion, even though you know, there were, he was feeding off the scraps for sure. You know, so. But again, just the uh, body language for me was not great. You know, he's supposed to be our, you know, our vice captain, and it just didn't look great for me. I'm, I'm hoping he could bounce back, but we're not seeing any of that right now. There, there is an issue there, and I, and I, I, I think Anthony, too. I think that we, the phrase you used was checked out. I think that's the big one that you see yeah. when you watch Harry's. He just does look kind of mentally checked out at this point, and it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's tough to watch for 90 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he'll do something, some things that are good, but it's only he's waiting for the ball to come to him. It's like he, he's not going to put in the extra effort off, off the ball is what it is to me at this point. Like, uh, he used to do a lot off the ball at, at all times. He was trying to actively create something if nobody else was, and he's not doing any of that anymore. If the ball doesn't come to him, he, he, he doesn't seem like he cares. If it comes to him, he'll do what he has the talent to do. But for me, that's an LVP as well, so I'm going to jump in right there. It was yours as well, Lucas? Uh, no, mine actually was um, – I wanted to give – it kind of feels harsh, um, but mine was actually Delhi. Um, I don't think we know – I don't think Delhi knows what his role is anymore. Um, he's not a goal scorer for us anymore. He doesn't seem like he's – 
got a clearly defined role within our starting 11 and you get a game like yesterday where you play a disciplined team in Chelsea and he just completely gets washed out um so yeah I think for me it was him I think Kane's an easy one you could say too kind of disappointed with Ndombele again just because at this I, I, I think I, I joked I said we're we gonna see him go over 60 minutes today and he got pulled in the 61st so it's like we can't we gotta have more than 60 minutes of effort from him um but yeah, I think Kane's an easy one, but mine specifically was Delhi. But and he did uh, have he his poor defense, defense. on that goal, which completely yeah. flipped the game. Because um, at that point too, I mean, that was when they started to fully come on top of us after that first goal. It was kind of all the wheels the wheels just came off. But yeah, Delhi was mine. Uh, Rick, okay. Um, when I used to play football, I don't play anymore. Um, but when I used to play football, I often used to go in goal. Um, basically because I didn't like running around too much <laughs> um, and what I used to do in goal um, was I'd have a pint of beer next to the, next to the goal post and I'd uh, smoke cigarettes while being in goal and that's what basically Harry Kane did that game he, he basically he was elsewhere in that game um, whenever the ball came anywhere near him that's when he engaged and tried to do something if the ball wasn't you know if he wasn't you know uh, if he was trying to close down or he was trying to get possession no he was he was doing what i was doing he was drinking his beer and having a cigarette basically um totally checked out so he's he's my lvp yeah i mean i think there's a case to be made like three of us with harry i don't disagree with lucas's case on on delhi in this one is as much as I think he's been a really good box-to-box guy for us when he's playing in the midfield, but the, they got to figure out his role at this point and, and how we're going to use him. Well, uh, D- Delhi, uh, 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 just to make a small point, uh, Delhi is basically suffering from the major problem in the team where we don't have good central midfield players. So Delhi has to do his job and someone else's job and someone else's job, close down, try and tackle, and then get the ball and try and correct. You know, he's doing three jobs. Mm-hmm. When if we had decent central midfield players that could, you know, hold on to the ball, be ball carriers, be ball distributors, then Delhi could go and be what Delhi is. So he's suffering from basically the malaise in our in our uh, squad, basically. So I don't blame him personally. I think he's like Lucas said. He doesn't really know what his role is because his role is do this and this and this and it seems like it's changing from week in yeah. and week out too mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. yeah, when, it's, when it's not like he consistently can line up every week in the game yeah, and know what his role is when Skip and Holberg is playing he doesn't have to defend but when, when Skip and Holberg and or Holberg are not playing then he has to do some defending and it, 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 it's, it's a mess we, we, we need central midfielders basically yeah. well that's a good point to end this half um so we are going to have two halftime segments today. We are going to have Luke's Locks. Then we are going to have Catherine Spurs Women update. Um, after that, we will uh, uh, preview both upcoming games, the League Cup match uh, against Wolves and, and then uh, the weekend match against the Scum. But first, let's go to Luke's Locks. Well, boys, here we are with Luke's Locks. Coming at you here, getting you some free money. First up this week, we are going to be taking Chelsea, who's playing at home to Man City. We're going to take the under in this one at two and a half goals. 
Chelsea, obviously, as we just talked about, hasn't given up a goal from open play yet this year, and I expect them to be very tight organized at the back and keep this one very low scoring against City. So we're going to take under two and a half. Next up, we got Everton minus one at home versus Norwich. Uh, Norwich has had a very difficult time scoring goals this season. Everton are coming off a bad 3-0 loss to Villa, so I expect, uh, expect Villa, or excuse me, Everton to come out at home and get a comfortable win here versus Norwich. Third one, Arsenal at home versus Spurs, under two and a half goals. As many of you have probably noticed, Spurs have had real trouble scoring this year, and Arsenal are the exact same way. Only five goals between the two sides in their 10 Premier League games. I foresee this trend continuing, and we'll see a low-scoring North London Derby. So take under two and a half goals in that one. Last up, we have over two and a half goals in Crystal Palace's home fixture versus Brighton. We usually see a great atmosphere when these two teams meet. I think we'll see both teams come out aggressive and get some early goals. So over two and a half goals in Palace versus Brighton. There you have it. Those are your four free locks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Catherine, and I'm back with the first Spurs women's segment of the 2021-2022 season. Now, there's quite a bit to go over, and so much so that, in fact, I might miss some details. So bear with me, but in the spirit of Fabrizio Romano, here we go. The team saw quite a few number of departures this summer, including Gemma Davison, Anna Philby, Hannah Godfrey, Lucia Leon, Aurora Michelson, Chloe Peplo, Siri Vorm, Alicia Solola, and surprisingly, Rihanna Dean, who is now with Liverpool, Alana Kennedy, who is signed with Manchester City, and Lucy Quinn, who now plays for Birmingham City. Now, despite all the departures, there were many incoming players during the summer. Thankfully, as it's Rianne Skinner's first full season in charge as manager, it looks like she had quite a bit of pull with new players as well as contract extension signings. While not the last named Morgan that most everyone in the football world knows who played for Tottenham, Alex Morgan that is, Tottenham Hotspur's born and bred Esther Morgan, as well as Rhea Percival, who is a New Zealand international, both signed contract extensions. Those two are in addition to Rosella Ian, Angela Addison, and Jess Naz signing extensions, as well as gold medal winning Olympian from Canada, Shalina Zadorsky. Both Naz and Zodorsky's contract extensions run through June 2022. In July, Spurs announced that South Korean midfielder Choi So-hyun's contract option was exercised, and so she is now at Tottenham permanently until the end of the 2022 season. And as far as new signings go for Spurs women, the club signed France and international and midfielder Mava Clemeron, Finnish keeper Tinya Rika Corpella, former Reading central defender Molly Bartrip, defender Gracie Pierce, who is on loan this season at Crystal Palace, goalkeeper Eleanor Heaps, who is on loan this season at Blackburn Rovers, and then Spurs women also signed forward Chioma Ubogagu, who comes from Real Madrid's team, but also has experience in the U.S.'s NWSL with the Houston Dash and Orlando Pride. 
And a bit more news, because who doesn't love news? Lauren Smith, one of Skinner's coaching assistants, departed Tottenham, but Vicky Jepson joined the club. So even within the coaching staff, there were changes this summer too. Now onto the season in the Women's Super League. It's still early, but Spurs look like they are more structured and don't rush movement of the ball, but do try and be creative and push play up the pitch. In the first match of the season, Tottenham defeated Birmingham City through a Kit Graham goal in the 40th minute. With 67% possession, five shots on target to Birmingham City's two, and with nine corners to their two, it was bound to be Spurs picking up three points, which thankfully they did. And the second match of the season, the one that nobody expected Tottenham to get anything out of, Spurs ended up grabbing three points away at Manchester City with a full-time score of 2-1. After City went ahead in the sixth minute, it took until around the hour mark for Rachel Williams to equalize to make it 1-1. Then in the 86th minute, City's goalkeeper made an error, which resulted in an own goal. And though it was an own goal, there was, and maybe rightly so, some controversy concerning a quote-unquote possible Rosella Ayan handball. Thankfully for Tottenham, it wasn't called, and Spurs grabbed their first ever away win at City. So although there's been an international break, Spurs women players must surely be buzzing after that result. And next up, Spurs women play Reading at home, which is at the Hive Stadium, on Sunday, September 26th at 2 p.m. local time or 8 a.m. central time here in the U.S. Since it's before the men's North London Derby, if you fancy, feel free to watch the Spurs women match on the on faplayer.thefa.com. That's faplayer.thefa.com, and it's free. And after that match against Reading, uh, Tottenham travel up to the King Power Stadium where they will play Leicester City women on Sunday, the 3rd of October at 2 p.m. All right, so as I have no questions this time, that'll be all for me this segment. But as a reminder, always feel free to message me on Twitter at Katherine Rupp for any Spurs men or women questions or comments. That's all for now. Come on, you Spurs. Well, thank you, Lucas, and thank you, Catherine, for that. I always love those segments. Um, so the second half, we have two matches to preview. Um, we're going to start with this midweek League Cup match against Wolves. Um, so, so far our midweek matches have only been this conference league. I know the excitement level hasn't really been up for those matches like it was in Europa and Champions League in previous years. Um, but this is uh, like a domestic cup. Um, it, it's, going, it's going to be interesting to see where um, Nuno values these cups like and obviously league cup is not as uh prestigious as the fa cup um but but we, we did get to the final last year we got to the final last year and we haven't won a trophy in a long time and this is a trophy opportunity um so it'll be interesting to see how we take it we, we drew a tougher team for uh, um uh, the first round that we enter this cup uh in wolves um, we had kind of an interesting match against them coming up, but we don't know how they're going to set up because they are a struggling team as well. So we have Wolves who uh, have uh, struggled to get points this year. They, they can't score goals, similar to us. Um, and uh, it's a midweek match, so we don't know how both of us are going to set up for this. Um, so what do you, where do you guys predict we'll go with this one? Uh, Lucas, you want to start? Yeah, because I think... Um, 
you mentioned there like what kind of uh, priority Nuno is going to put on this. I think a, a specific thing that impacts that is the fact that this actually is Wolves. Um, I think he's definitely going to have an extra motivation to want to see beating Wolves again, um, obviously being from there, and we had just played them away. So I think that would be really big for him to come and get us two wins at Wolves away within the first month of being here. Um, but it's, it's an interesting one because this competition is the most manageable one to try and get a cup in or trying to get a trophy in, in the fact that you already start in the round of 32. So if you can get by this game, we're already in the final 16 teams of this tournament. So yeah, that we, we see in some years like last year, how just sometimes if you can get a friendly draw in a couple of friendly draws in this, uh, in this cup, it, it is easy to kind of weasel your way into the semifinal or a final. And you look at Man City has won this every, what, five years in a row now. And the draws that they get every year where they're not playing a Premier League team until the final or something. Like, so if you can, if you can find a way to just, like last year when we had, uh, I think our first game in this one was Chelsea. And we did the 1-1 draw. We won, uh, went through on penalties. And it's like, if you can find ways to grind out these games, uh, then you get lucky with like a Stoke City, I think we got next. And then a Brentford instead of having to play United. And all of a sudden we're in Wembley in the cup final. So these ones are we, we saw like under Pochettino how he just didn't prioritize these and threw these away um, you never really want to see that where it is so within your reach to get to the final in this in this cup so I definitely think if we're able to put a good enough lineup out there and eke out a win you never know where this draw can get you and maybe we can find ourselves in the I think Rick was next yeah, yeah um, I agree with everything you said but there is one caveat because the following game is Arsenal and with the way um, the season is going so far for Nuno you're going to want to guarantee that he wants to win the Arsenal game we're at home it's Arsenal you know so I don't know how much priority he's going to put on this game because we've got Arsenal next um, you know the one the one game that all Spurs fans want want to win is the home game against Arsenal. Well, isn't this? Aren't we? Are we at the Emirates on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're away. Oh, we're, we're away. Oh, we? yeah, okay. We're, we're ever, or, uh, you're right because we were at home to Chelsea. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. But we always want to beat Arsenal, no matter you know when we're playing yeah. them. Well, and we haven't beat Arsenal in their home. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But I understand your point that like our emphasis has to be on the weekend. Um, and that could come to question because, like, if I asked, if I posed it this way, um, and we'll go to Mike first on this question, um, if you had the choice to between take a win against Wolves and take a win against Arsenal, uh, um, and you had to lose the other one, wh- wh- which one would you take? Oh, that's, I mean, that's clearly an obvious decision. I've always wanted to beat Wolves. No, I'm just kidding. No, I. <laughs> God, Arsenal at the Emirates. I can't remember the last time we beat them was Kabul. I believe believe scoring that header. Yeah, we um, won the uh, League Cup game. Yes, in we 2018, did. The two nil. But other than that, you're right. right. Premier League has Sun been, and that was Kane. League it was 2010, yeah. I think it was, with Kabul and Van der Vaart and Bale. I think scored that one. But. Yeah. So of, of course I would want to win against Arsenal. The thing about this Wolves game, this Carabao Cup, two things about it. I, I want to have momentum going into the Arsenal game, so I would like to win this game. And I also want to win this game without playing Son or Kane, okay? And we already have Lucas and Bergwijn missing, so if we don't play Son or Kane, I just don't see a possibility for us to win. Like, 
the only thing, the only like cab, the only situation we have is if Wolves also take it with the same, uh, take the Premier League game with more seriousness and don't start a lot of their heavy forward players um, against us, then I think we have a better chance. But there's no way we're going to win this game without Sonny Kane. I just don't see where the goals are coming from. And I really love Scarlett, and I hope he can hit the ground running. But he's not ready for that. And um, without Son, without Kane, Bergwijn, we already saw, there was an image of him in a boot. And Lucas that got hurt in the last game. We don't have a lot going forward for us, you know. Um, so are we doing? The, I, I don't know if you guys know. Um, is the new uh, for the Carabao Cup this year? Are we? Is it doing like it was last year, where it's ninety minutes and then goes straight to penalties, or are they doing extra time? Do you know? It, I think it's like it was last year. Okay. Yeah. Because if it's like if it was last year, then that could be like something I think we could see us do, where we set up very defensively, um, maybe put guys like a Kane or Son on the bench, bring them in if it's nil nil, bring them on to maybe. That's try a good idea get one like a smash and grab at the end or mm-hmm. just try and go through on pens but yeah I think um, that I think we could probably see us come out much more defensive and just try and hope we can squeak through on penalties or something yeah and that, that was actually what I was going to pose next like do we start a Dane Scarlett and uh, Jack Clark or somebody like mm-hmm. that in this one some in once it inevitably starts to fall apart because we know they're not going to be able to score goals against it probably any wolf side um, but if at 60 minutes, all of a sudden we we just put Kane and Son on as a double sub and uh, and, and see what we can do um, and, and try and steal it at the end. Is that a, a valid strategy for this match, uh, given that it's the League Cup and it's the first round? And if we go out here, we're going to be disappointed, but um, on a whole, it will just open up more legs for the Premier League matches when they come up. Yeah, and I think it just really depends on what the result is at that point. So whenever, whenever it's like 60 minutes, if it's still nil-nil, then sure, bring them on, you know, go for it, you know. But if it's if we're down one nil, two nil, I think at that point you just cough it up, you know, and just I know it sounds terrible to throw away a competition, but you know if we can't do it without starting Sun or Kane, then I think we're just not gonna go far anyways because Sun and Kane would rely on them so much. Sun just came back from an injury, didn't look that great against Chelsea. And Kane looks so exhausted, or either exhausted or doesn't care. It's one or the other. I think it's more exhaustion. So yeah, and and normally I do like an intro. I'll I'll quickly point out. Okay, so currently Wolves are sitting in 16th place in the league. That's with three points, one win, and four losses. Mm-hmm. Um, their most recent match was a two-nil loss to, uh, at home to Brentford. Um, prior to that, they beat Watford, but lost to Man United, beat Nottingham Forest in the Cup, the Carabao Cup, and then lost to us prior to that, of course. Um, they t- do take on Southampton on Sunday away. Um, they only have one goal in the league right now uh, f- from uh, Chen Huang. Okay, yeah. Um, they have no assists in the league. Uh, um, their top-rated player is Treori, who we don't know who he, if he would even play in this match. They might be saving his legs for the Premier League matches. Uh, Neves is behind him with 7.46, and then says with 7.16. Those aren't very good ratings compared to uh, uh, players on our squad or uh, other other top squads in the league. So they're not doing very well right now. Uh, Lucas? Well, I think the really interesting one about this is, or the interesting thing about this one is, 
how Rick had mentioned, we do have Arsenal right off the back of this this weekend, which is massive for Nuno. Um, but I, and I don't want to make this sound like it's all Nuno's fault because we have been dealt some horrific injuries and COVID nonsense and Tanganga's red card has been like, so we've had these crazy different um, problems with like having an options basically for who can play. But Nuno doesn't really have that much credit in the bank in terms of the attacking style of play that we want to see that all Spurs fans love and that's what we always talked about we were excited to have him and so we didn't have to see the Jose ball or if you would but you kind of if like as I had mentioned maybe we see us start very defensively in this game but it's going to start wearing thin on a lot of the supporters that we haven't seen us be able to go for and get goals yet um, and so I think you might want to see us try and use this to get some kind of momentum because if, if we go out there and we park the bus and we end up losing or something, you're now looking at a beat a beat down versus Palace, a shitty game in Europa that we were lucky to get two goals, a beat down versus Chelsea, a loss to Wolves all in a row. And people's patience is going to start wearing really thin with Nuno. So I think this one is a little bit bigger than we would like it to be in terms of him being able to get some credit in the bank in terms of playing the attacking style of football. And I know it's early and we still don't know who some of these young players are, but it's going to get, it's going to start getting close to that time where we're going to either start needing to see some results or people are going to start freaking out. <laughs> Good point, Lucas. Uh, like, well, I actually want to ask you, Lucas, would you, would you start Kane in this? Kane, I wouldn't just because you've mentioned a couple times with the fatigue. I mean, he started all the games again for England. You got him starting against Palace. He's, played we played him out in for 60 minutes out in uh france the other week and now he's played 90 minutes against chelsea we're gonna need him he's gonna play all 90 this weekend for arsenal so i would definitely try and maybe give scarlet the day out or even maybe sun up top or something but maybe have kane on the bench as that like we talked about if it is 70th minute nil nil bring him on to try and punch one in late or something or have his leg in there for the penalties that we're gonna need because if we do go to penalties i don't know about you guys but there's pretty much just Kane and then me holding my breath for whoever the other four guys are. <laughs> take. I don't know yeah. of any other four that are going to be, you're not going to think, wow, I'm really excited that this guy's stepping up right now. You know, it's, it felt like a miracle last year against Chelsea. When oh, we, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and even Son and like, cause Hyungman Son is just a brilliant player and we love him to death. But when he steps up to take a penalty, I want to close my eyes. It's yeah. horrifying. I don't know where it's going. And Delhi's the same way sometimes. Yeah, so yeah. We, we don't really know who our penalty taker, so he's going to have to be on the bench at least for no other situation than just that. Yeah. Uh, Rick, anything to add before we go to um, predictions? I, I would play Kane. Um, wow. Simply for the fact that he needs to get match fit. I don't think he's match fit. Mm. Um, and because of what he did over the summer, I'm kind of thinking just play him in every fucking game until we sell him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I share your sentiment like, and there is a case to be made is this fitness or is it um, attitude or something attitude yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's the big question um, but the fact that he was out there midweek was that Kane being Kane saying uh, he always wants to be the first name on the sheet or is that Kane uh, is that Nuno saying he, he wants to see Kane play and start to score goals like and maybe it's just like 
Kane needs to break the ice and have like a brace at some point. And uh, once he does that, maybe he's going to start putting the goals in in the league too. So I understand the point of like, man, maybe play him. And, and if, if he can take on like a weakened Wolves who are probably going to rotate as well, like uh, maybe this is a great opportunity for Harry Kane. Especially if Traore is out there, because he always just gives us a lot of trouble. And I, I could see him being sat for this match, uh, uh, the way Wolves sometimes rotate players well, in well, competitions. All, all joking aside, I actually like the reverse of what Lucas said. Instead of starting out defensively and then making subs to win the game, I'd rather win the game in the beginning and then make subs to kill the game at the end. You see what I mean? Get two, get two nil up really early. And then bring Scarlett on. But that can be a difficult gambit too, because what you have is uh, uh, you, you plan that and then you don't get that goal or you mm. have a couple near misses mm. and, and then you're hitting like uh, the, you're coming out of halftime and then you're hitting the 60th, 70th minute and you're still trying to get that first goal. Mm -hmm. and, and then do I take these guys off and put on guys who aren't going to be able to score at this point? Well, so I understand your point, but, like, but maybe you read off the game at that point. Yeah, and then to kind of go with what you're saying there too like a guy like Kane, I think all four of us can agree we don't want to see Kane play 90 minutes in this mm -hmm. no I just don't think we can afford it um so because penalties are a potential option at the end it's like you can't have you, you kind of have to go in with the second half like kind of sit back and then go because if you do if you start off and you you're not able to break them down and score then you have the sudden, better players at the end yeah you then you're taking them because you're not going to sit there and be like, yeah, hey, got to keep Kane on there for the pens and have him wear out for another 90 minutes. It's the same thing like if in Ndombele. Like, we know he can't go 90 minutes, so I'd rather see if we can get to halftime still nil-nil, then we can probably say, okay, right off 45 minutes, and now we can have, like, a proper go at it in the second half and not have to worry about the 90-minute fitness issues that we have. And, yeah, and I, I think this certainly could be a match for Skip. Like, I, I, I think I want to see Skip play by the full 90 here. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Tanganga back on for this one. And oh, he, Tanganga has to play because you can't yes. play against yeah, Austin. Can, can, yeah, so, so Tanganga for this one for sure. Um, Wait, why can he not play against Arsenal? He, he can because he, 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 oh, yeah, he, he had two yellows. He had two yellows. Yeah. 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 It wasn't Sorry. a straight red. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he can play against Arsenal. Oh, okay. yeah. like, I don't know. But he won't. <laughs> I, I don't think he won't because I think you, you're going to want your better attacking option mm -hmm. against uh, Arsenal. And I think that is uh, uh, probably Emerson. But um, interesting uh, dilemma for Nuno. And it'll, be it'll tell a lot of us about how Nuno views the Cups with a team like Tottenham. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't really judge based off of how we viewed it with Wolves because I think they probably had to, to look at things differently. They have to make sure that they're finishing in the middle of the table to... Um, well, they didn't have Europe. They didn't have Europe. They didn't have to ha have like a yeah. whole different competition on added on. Yeah. You know, they they didn't play that many midweek games. They had Europe. I think it was a second year in, in charge in the Premier League. He had Europe, but before yeah. that or and after that, he didn't have Europe to contend with. So, it's a really it's a tough situ situation for Nuno. Um, last week against Rennes, he 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 did the opposite, which he did what you guys were referring to was start your best lineup. Hope to get up uh, a good scoreline early and then bring on defensive players and take off Kane. But we ended up being up 1-0, going up to 1-1, going to halftime, coming back. Kane comes off. Then we're down 2-1. And at that point, it's like we don't have anyone that we could bring on, you know. And so we were lucky to get a 2-2 draw, I think. 
I mean, we deserved it. I think we played good enough for it. But um, against Wolves, I would do the opposite. I would go defensive to start off. And you got to remember, in the Premier League, we barely beat them. Like, barely. Like, you know, they dominate us for the most part. We had a Deli Alley goal in the very beginning. And we didn't create much from there until Kane came on for that game. So hopefully, they can misfire. It'll be nil-nil going into the 60th, 70th minute. We'll bring on Kane, win this game, and move on to the next round, hopefully. And the immediate penalties changes everything until Lucas's right. point. So mm-hmm. Let's go to predictions, and we'll start with Rick first for predictions. All right. <laughs> um, as you know, I hate doing predictions. <laughs> um, uh, uh, let's say... You, you, I never predict us to lose. I rarely predict us to draw, and I rarely predict the opposition to score. So, uh, uh, going with that philosophy, I think we'll win 2-0. Um, I think some will play, I don't think Kane will. So I'm going to go with Sun and Scarlet. There you go. I like it. Uh, Lucas? Uh, I'm going to say 1-1. Um, I'll give the goal to Winks. And I'll say we <laughs> see, <laughs> one one goal the winks, and I think we go through on penalties. And, okay. and you want people to listen to your Luke Lock? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mike? I'm gonna say we're gonna we're actually gonna lose this game two one. I don't think Kane's gonna play. I think Scarlett will score, and a lot of be, there will be a lot of people happy about it and take the positives out of it. But I think we'll lose two one. Um, I think we're gonna win this one. I do think that we uh, we are gonna. St- set up uh, uh, weaker first and then switch to stronger because of the penalties. Go- going right to penalties is, uh, changes up things a little bit. Um, I, I'm going to say that, that, that uh, Dane Scarlett breaks the ice in the... Prim- in the well, he had one League Cup last year, didn't he? But it was a... Uh, it was an FA Cup against Marine. I'm trying to remember. Uh, but regardless, uh, Dane Scarlett will score. Um, and... Uh, I think the other one will come from uh, Doherty. I mm. think uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doherty was terrible. That's a shout. That's a shout. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I just think that yeah, you know. I think I'm going to score this week too. <laughs> like I think he's going to see some minutes this match, and uh, this this will be maybe one of his last opportunities uh, before we do start thinking about loan or or how we're going to move him on. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm going to say that Doherty plays and maybe Tanganga's in a back three. Um, so um, Doherty pulls some magic out at this one. Doherty and Winks. Okay, if Doherty or Winks scores, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> I didn't say Winks is my other one. I said Scarlet. No, if Doherty scores, I'll give you 10 bucks. If Winks scores, I'll give you 10 bucks. Okay, Fair play. Okay. I got, I, I'll take that 10 bucks <laughs> and, and buy a beer and a half. But, um Excellent conversation there. Um, definitely looking forward to watching that here at the Atlantic Bar uh, on Wednesday. Hope other people can make it out for that one. Um, but now the main event. Um, mm-hmm. So this weekend we take on Arsenal. So we had a London Derby last weekend against probably the strongest team in the league right now, um, and and now we take on our arch rivals, uh, the Scum in. In the league as well. Also, another Sunday, 10:30 match here in Chicago. Uh, so currently, Arsenal sits in 13th place in the league. That's with six points, two wins, zero draws, and three losses. Uh, most recently, they won one nil away to Burnley this weekend. 
Uh, prior to that, they beat Norwich. Um, so after climbing into the gutter with three consecutive losses, uh, most recently to Man City, uh, um, they beat West Brom in the, the, the cup prior to that, but then lost to Chelsea, and then we uh, we know that they haven't had a very good start, but they're starting to turn it around point-wise against the lower end of the table. Um, uh, prior to us, they do take on Wimbledon in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday as well, uh, so they don't get a day off, but they do have a little bit more favorable of a matchup. Um, uh, uh, Saturday after uh, us, they um, they take on Brighton away on October 2nd. Um, their top goal scorer right now is Obama Yang with one and Odisgard with one as well. Pepe is the, has one assist uh, as their top assist person and only assist in the league. Uh, their top rated player is Pepe with, with 7.34. Odisgard is behind him with 7.05 and uh, Lakanga with 6.88 behind them, so not very good ratings there either. Um, the last five times that we faced Arsenal, most recently we lost to them away 2-1, um, and we beat them the prior two uh, competitions going back to December 2020, 2-0, two two and then 2-1 in uh, Ju July 2020, so after the restart. Um, September 2019, we drew them 2-2 at their home, and we drew them 1-1 at our home that same year in March 2019. Uh, so we were handling them well for a while under Pochettino when Mourinho first came in. I think we kind of continued that, but it's, it's kind of uh, fallen off a bit, and uh, this is always a worrisome competition for us because uh, uh, losing isn't an option. Uh, but it happens sometimes. Uh, so how do you guys feel about this Arsenal match coming into it? And I, I'm, I'm going to go to Rick first because I can see him shaking his head already. <laughs> um, if, you've, if, if you've listened to this pod before and listened to me before, you will know I absolutely hate this game. I, you know, I would rather we not play the two fixtures and just call them 1-1 one, one and so I don't have the stress. <laughs> I hate this game mm. with a passion. Um, it delights me that we're bad, but they're worse. Mm. Um, they are terrible. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about their squad and about their team, about their manager to say what the problem is. But, you know, beating Burnley and Norwich, almost every team is going to beat Burnley and Norwich. It's not, um, and only beat them. And, and from what I saw about the Burnley game, Burnley were the better side. Um, yeah, they did look better. I but, watched that one. Uh, I mean, you know... It was they, unlucky. They are terrible. Um, they've got aging, uh, aging strikers, defenders that really can't defend, and a midfield where they don't really know who their best midfield players are. So, I get the feeling that um, we are a... Um, motivation team you know we play well when we're motivated to play well um w you know when we play you know Wolves or Norwich or Burnley Manchester you know, City Man well uh, that was a, a, a seriously lucky win um you know well, we, we've been lucky against them a lot lately yeah we have um we are their bogey team basically um 
you know, we played well against Chelsea in the first half. We were just undone by a superior squad, basically. Um, and a bit of bad luck. But with Arsenal, um, they're, they're, they're terrible. And I think we'll, we'll turn up for this game. You know, we'll be in for all the tackles, and, you know, all the second balls. And, you know, we'll, and I think we'll highlight how bad they actually are. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful for this game. Well, there's the added bunch of pressure in this one because from those first three games, we were on top of the league. They were at the bottom of the league. We were just letting them have it for that international break, enjoying ourselves, living on cloud nine. And if we were to go there and lose, we would have just dropped nine points out of nine on the bounce, and they would have taken nine from nine. And But we'd still be above them because their goal difference is True, and yeah, bad. but it just it would be a – it would just be – there's that added bit, uh, bit of pressure because – I mean, that would be pretty embarrassing to have all of a sudden you had a nine-point lead on them and then three games later they've just equaled it up. So um, I think we'll see, like Rick said, I think we should be up for this game, um, especially after the one that we had in the spring where we went there and just looked. Uh, uh, Lamella had that goal, but mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, we looked horrific in that game. We looked like we didn't care, we didn't want to be there. Um, if there were fans in the stands for that day, I mean, it, I would have felt horrible for them because that was just embarrassing, um, that effort that we turned up at the Emirates with. So I think the players will be ready to turn up for this game. And like Rick said, I'm like, they're not the best defensively, so maybe if there is a time we've been struggling to score goals, maybe if maybe this is the perfect medicine for that is their defense, their back line. Maybe that can get a couple guys up on the up and running on the score sheet. Yeah, especially if we're pushing hard because uh, because it is the North London Derby, it, it, it could be the right medicine to to, to fix our attack here, uh, Mike. Yeah, I I saw I saw the last game that they played it played with uh, Tomiyasu, a guy that we were really interested in, and Ben White and um, Gabriel and Tierney. It looked like a good back four, and Ramsdale on goal, which I think Leno is better, but Ramsdale has been putting two good performances in, so. That has to worry, you know, us, just their form. They had to win those two games, and they did win those two games. But that being said, I think this is the best time for us to play them. I think um, when we, for example, let's say we, we were to play them after the Watford game, after playing three games, winning 1-0 each, each of those three games and being up nine points to their zero, I would have hated to play them. I don't know what it is about being in really good form and them being in really bad form, but on the day of, it always flips the script. You know what I'm saying? So whatever team is in the worst form, for some reason, decides to show up that game. Um, but I think this could be Nuno's saving grace. You know, I think the 3-0 against Palace was a terrible result. I think the Chelsea result, they, the performance didn't match the result. So I think this is, the, this is the, the, the game where you put out a good performance, get a great result, and I think this could buy them the next five games. Like, we could literally lose the next five games after the Arsenal result. But if we beat them at the Emirates, I think it'll be a whole different feeling around the club, you know. And that's the major thing about this this game. It's so huge. And, and Nuno knows that. And yeah. Nuno knows it for yeah. sure, a thousand percent. I think he, I think he felt the same way about the Chelsea game. I think that's why he started the guys he started, and um, you know didn't think twice about it. So hopefully, you know, we haven't beat them in a long time at the Emirates. So I'm hoping this is the time that we do. Um, you know, they've had two good results, but I think that's the. That's a good thing for us, you know. It sounds crazy to think about, but like when it comes to, you know, this game for some reason, you gotta throw away the bad, and you just—it just means that one team is gonna be more desperate, you know. 
if a team loses three games in a row going up to this, to, to this game, for some reason they decide to show up, you know. And so hopefully that's us. Hopefully we decide to show up and uh, really put on a good performance. And Kane will score. I hope he does score. And um, He usually does score. He well, usually he's the does. He's the well, all-time well, goal scorer. In this well, that's, that's, that's the one thing you can almost guarantee. that he, If he's not going to show up for any games this season, this is the one game he will show up for. It's it's a hopeful view. I mean, I think we're all going to be nervous watching this one regardless. Um, oh, I hate these games. I but, absolutely hate them. But I, I absolutely think if we play the way that we played that first half against uh, Chelsea. Oh, we'll blow them away. Maybe we'll nil down. That performance. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, some of those goals would have gone in. Chelsea's defense is just too good to... Um, they're, they're not going to make the little errors that an Arsenal defense will make. Uh, that, that we can slot one in past, um, like you know, something would have worked out. Like maybe, he, maybe it was the uh, Regulon run. Uh, maybe he would have taken the shot there. Something, something I think would be different in this this fixture. At least I hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we lose, I mean, knock on wood, if we lose, you know, um, that leash for Nuno gets a lot shorter. Um, there's going to be a lot of fans on it because a lot of fans are already starting to get on him about the style of play and the system. And it's not his fault. It's because Mourinho was there and Mourinho had this similar style of play. So we're kind of sick of seeing that and we want to see something better. And we're hoping that we see something better. And we did for the first 45 of Chelsea. And so we're just hoping that that can mirror that. But, you know, again, knock on wood, if that happens, the leech will be a lot shorter, you know. Yeah, and, and I think people point to those first three performances and say, yeah, we got the results, but the, it was ugly defensive football. And to a certain extent it was, but it doesn't necessarily make it Mourinho ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they the, like there's a certain level of fitness in more of an effort to find outlets. And we're not just lopping, lopping the ball with the pitch and hoping that Kane or Son can get on the end of it. It's... There was a bit more to this, and definitely more to the fitness expectation of the players. I'm hopeful that even if we do, I think we are going to see more defensive uh, noodle performances, but I don't think it will be against Arsenal this this week. I think that, that we're going to see when we play United, we're going to see that uh, against other top teams in the league. But Arsenal's there for the, the picking. And this is a huge fixture, and imagine the statement that he could make if he wins this match imagine. at the Emirates. Yeah. Like, Pochettino didn't even do that, mm-hmm. um, and I think he knows that. Like, and a guy who signed a two-year contract, knowing that like this could be temporary, and you just could be like the the, the temporary manager until Pochettino or somebody comes back or somebody else comes in. Um, once uh, our team ages a little bit now that we're trying to get younger again. But he must know that like this is a big one for him and like and he can prove that uh, and he could he could win over a lot more fans that he I hasn't could, been able to win 100%. Over with a good performance here. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts before we go to predictions on this Arsenal match? Um the only thing I really wanna say is about um, fans in general, um, with Nuno, um, he, he seems to be getting a lot of criticism 
and I think it's unjustified. You know, he's only been manager for you know, eight games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he he inherited a squad that had huge deficiencies within the squad, which have only been partially rectified. Um, Stoller players. I I think his intention is good. I think the players are just not capable of doing it. You know, because um, w- when you talk about being defensive or being forced to be defensive, there's a difference. Mourinho was defensive, whereas Nuno is trying to be attacking, but we're being we're having to be forced to be defensive because we just don't have the players mm-hmm. in certain positions. So. Um, you know, people that are new know out. Um, my question to be would be, question to them would be, okay, what manager would do better with this squad? Name a any manager that would do better with this squad right now, and there isn't one. And especially if you want to look at availability, like I know those new know out people, like they think no, I'm not. I'm talking about any manager in the world, mm-hmm. right? If you if you sw- you could swap Nuno with any manager in the world. Would they do better with this current squad? And my answer would be no. It doesn't matter who, what manager you pick. That's a tough one, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not far off. I mean, it's tough to make the game. I mean, changing up a system always, um, it would be, I, I think the only difference could be, because I do think we've had some weak mentality issues with Spurs o- over the last couple of years, like where the, the players are failing on the pitch, like to push hard enough at times. Like uh, you've talked about players uh, in the, in past seasons, Lucas, like where the players just are not going to get behind the, the the coach whatsoever. I think there might be a coach out there that you could bring in, and and maybe that guy is just the most rah rah person that that True, everybody but would love and. Uh, emotionally get behind yeah but i i I, I think people like nuno and i think to rick's point though is that even if there was some manager that could come in and maybe get a little bit more juice out of this player or this player it would just be a band-aid for a bullet wound and it's like there's just so many holes that need to be fixed that it doesn't really matter again like we said when uh when the lineup came out on against chelsea on sunday we all said like this is perfect. Like this is the uh, we. No one else could think of anything that would have been a better idea than that. There's just we were handicapped with the fact that that's all we had. So Chelsea was able to go to other things and switch things up. Where Nuno had no other options. Like what was he supposed to do? Bring on, uh, like bring on Skip to go get us a goal or Winks to go get us a goal or Dort. Like you know. So there's not anything that he's basically this is the best that he can do and so that's I think with Rick the point you were trying to make that it's he's, ham- he's hamstrung yeah. by the squad basically yeah, yeah. and yeah. any 100% and any manager would be yeah I, the I only, don't disagree yeah the only dis- the only the only knock you could put on Nuno right now is just his um, timing of substitution, substitutions I think in games sometimes I think he waits a little too long to make the changes that we need but Again, like it's not like we have world class quality on the bench that we're just le- leaving there to rot. Like we have Brian Heal, who's a 21 year old who just came to to London for the first time, barely learning how to play for our team. Like he, I, I don't think he's gonna make a massive difference. Like he's gonna help our team. He's gonna help. He's an attacking threat, but 
you know, it's still a lot for him to be, to ask him to do that, you know. If we had Bergvine or Lucas on the bench, he just left them there and never brought him on when we needed a goal. By all means, you know, come at Nuno, but that game against Crystal Palace, that's the, the biggest um, criticism I've been seeing about him. And it's, you know, we didn't have that much quality on the bench to bring on to change the game. And so... Um, well, I, I wasn't on the podcast for that game, mm. but um, that game, and I hate to do this because it, it, it wasn't it wasn't completely his fault, but the referee was terrible in that awful. game, and everybody agreed that he was awful. Yes. He stopped any momentum we had. Mm-hmm. Two of their goals were scored by players that just before we were not given the free kick mm-hmm. when we should have done. So, uh, and Tanganga got sent off on when Lucas Mora was completely taken out. Ball goes up the field and, and I mean, Tanganga gets um, uh, in, a, in a fight with uh, Zaha, Zaha mm-hmm. because of the Lucas tackle yes. that wasn't given. Mm-hmm. Um, that referee really screwed us in that game. Um, you know, and, and you've seen penalties given for handballs. Yeah, it was a handball, but you can guarantee that if that was Man United, it wouldn't have been given. Mm. They um. Well, I, I think the big thing with Nuno that we're going to see for this Arsenal game is the intent. And th- at the end of the day, that's all I can ask. I was really disappointed how that game turned out on Sunday. But at the end of the day, that was us going up against a team that was probably much better than us. Um, a couple breaks didn't go our way, but the intent was there. And that's like something I can be at least proud of, that when he put that lineup with the Palace game, the intent wasn't there. That was a... I know we were hamstrung with a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. I mean that was a very let's play for a draw against Palace. Great I don't care who's hurt. Yeah, I don't yeah. care who. We're playing it, it, Crystal Palace away. Yeah. We should be going for it, no matter who's available or not. And I, so I was very pleased with the Chelsea game to see that he at least had some kind of intent that look, we're going to try and go get these goals, well, well, and I think we're going to see that against Arsenal as well. Well, that's, see, that's what you. That's, that's exactly, all I can ask for. Well, that's what you want to see from managers as well as players. Uh, what you want to see is them learning yeah. you know he, he he obviously made a mistake against Palace and the next game well the next league game he comes out a- and does that against basically the best team in the league mm-hmm. and comes out with you know a, a first 11 that we all agreed was perfect um, so he learned he learned from his mistake which is what you want to see from a manager mm-hmm. um, and hopefully against Arsenal he does the same thing yeah, yeah. And I love when I see a manager that values players at the same view that a lot of fans do, you know. So I thought Wink's performance against Chris Palace was, you know, awful. And I don't think Wink's is I – I think Wink's should not be starting at all in general for us. And so what does he do the next couple of games? Wink's – you're not seeing him on the pitch, you know. And then um, I think we talked about Doherty and how bad he's become, and I, I don't know what's going on with that. But then right away, it's not like he's waiting – to bet in Ederson, he, uh, Emerson, he's a Royale. He's like, no, like you're our best right back. You're starting every game for us if you can. Tanga got that red, of course. And so it's not like he's been scared to use. And I think that's a good sign. I think we have to just roll with that. Hopefully that's a good sign. He keeps seeing, you know, what our players are bringing and, and keep giving them chances, you know. And he, and he wasn't afraid to use guys that came back uh, from uh, Croatia. Cro- yeah, Croatia mm-hmm. after via. South America, right, um, right into the squad. Even though they only had one training session, so that that shows that he is willing to use his best tools. Um, and I think that 
that's what we're going to see in this Arsenal match. I think this is a good point to go to predictions. So let's uh, let's start with Mike this time for predictions for Arsenal. Oh God, I hate doing this. You know, I really do. I yeah, hate no, it was position. kind of unfair to give it to you first, but we'll no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I really, I really feel like we need a win. I feel like we need a win. I feel like Nuno is going to need a win for his just for him. I think the team needs a win. I think there's a lot of reasons why we need a win. So I think we will win. I think we'll win 2-0. But I think it's going to be closer than it needs to be. I think Lloris is going to have to come out with some great saves. And uh, Kane will definitely be on the score sheet to, okay. to silence the critics. So Kane for both or just mm, I don't know. This, okay, if I say, all right, so Kane for the first one. And then I would say, um, God, it's a tough one. Um, Actually, it's not tough if it's somebody besides Kane. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's uh, only one other goal scorer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess. It, no, but I think it'll be a center back. I don't know why, but I feel like it's going to be. One of our center backs has to score. I think it'll be Romero. That's, yeah. We'll go Kane and Romero. I would love that. I'll yeah. make mine quick, too, because I have it written down right here. I had yeah. Kane and Romero, 2-0. Um, um, that's very optimistic. If you listen to Luke's locks, I said take the under in this one because I don't expect there to be too much scoring. But... Mm. I'm going to give my happy, optimistic, like, I'm thinking 2-0. Optimism, like for it. sure. I'm going to completely ignore Luke's locks and go for 6-0. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Harry Kane 3 and Sun 3. All right, well, I'll, 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 I'll change that bet. There. I'll change that Winks bet then. <laughs> you give me 10 bucks if Winks scores against Wolves. I'll give you 10 bucks if we get six goals against Arsenal. I'll give you average. $100. <laughs> 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 we, we score against we're six goals against Arsenal. You know, make some money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say... Uh, 3-1 win. Like, I do think this is going to be a win, even though it's at the Emirates, and I know that's uh, that's always a, a tough match. But I'm just feeling optimistic like that the, pie the pieces are falling into place for this one, as bad as Arsenal has been, and despite their their little bounce against the, the minnows of the, the league. Um, I'm going to give a goal to Harry. I'm going to give a goal to Son. And I'm going to give a goal to Dyer on a header. I okay. Do think your, I like your center back. Idea. Yes, yes. Uh, Rick, you have something you want to do? Yeah, I just, I just want to say one thing. Um, I don't want to denigrate uh, Luke's locks, but he's sitting here with a mansion-sponsored shirt with Jenis on the back. <laughs> <laughs> just think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. That means I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> so, so trust my wisdom. He, he's seen the, uh, what is it, seen the elephant? Is that what it's called? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen this. I've, I have a lot of shirts. You're the only military guy here. Yeah, well, I've got a lot of shirts from Spurs over the years, and a lot of them are home runs, and a lot of them aren't. So. But that's a different yeah. <laughs> Genius. Genius. This one has I don't some, wear too often. So. Yeah, Genius has had some great performances against Arsenal. So. Yeah. Hopefully, go. that's a good sign. But there we Genius go. Genius only had great performances <laughs> against Arsenal. Hey, that's all we need to remember. Could be worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, great conversation, guys. Thank you so much, everybody, for being on. Thanks to, to Rick, Lucas, and Mike for the, being on this episode. Uh, but that about wraps up the episode. So th thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Rick for sound, actually. Yeah, I take that back. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. Lucas for Luke's Locks. Kimberly for the logo. Uh, Catherine for uh, Spurs Women's segment. And as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill it is so great to be back here recording. I, like, I love the way the conversation flows when we're all here live, and this has been outstanding. We're going to do this uh, at least once a month uh, moving forward, and we're going to try and move it back up to where we used to be, where we are always recording. Yeah, person. fuck COVID. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Uh, find us both on uh, Stitcher and Spotify and anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, uh, come on, you